Ulterior. So this is the second part to the double episode for chapter 71. Uh, on the prior one, I reviewed Lorna Shore, We Came as Romans, uh, Outline Color and Varials. This part looks at the new records by Poppy, Boston Manor, Boundaries, and Sleeping with Sirens. Thank you for listening, and I hope you guys enjoy the second installment of this two-part episode. No cap on a stack, for real, for real. So now I'm going to go over the one EP from last week, and that is Stagger by Poppy. So what I had just said about We Came As Romans is also very, 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 very much so more than applicable to Poppy. Poppy is one of the most important acts in music that I have been able to have the chance to experience and be enthralled with. And the the presence of her, the star power of her, the abilities, the talents, everything about Poppy is just beyond sensational, beyond generational, beyond any other, you know, weird vernacular that I tend to use often. Poppy is almost in a way indescribable and so it's very difficult for me to get on this show and relay to you guys what poppy and her music mean to me because she is out of this world in every sense of that phrase like i genuinely have a story attached to every project by poppy even her ep when she was that poppy everything that she does just resonates with me in such a big way um, her trajectory from the final three songs on Am I a Girl up until now is something that nobody could have possibly imagined when she was a YouTube personality doing those weird videos of her being like, I'm Poppy, I'm Poppy, I'm Poppy, I'm Poppy. Um, so yeah, there's a lot to get through when it comes to Poppy and I, I could do an entire episode on her, truthfully. Like this review of Stagger is not going to relay to you guys just everything that I really have to say about her as an artist. So I guess maybe the best place to start would be what she was doing prior to Stagger. And she had two projects out last year in 2021. There was Eat and Flux. Eat was, I don't know if it was like really meant to be a project or if it was just like the uh, the NXT thing that she was doing at the time. Please bring her back, by the way. Hunter, you got the power to do that. Um, but that EP is phenomenal. Genuinely, I fucking love that thing. Uh, it made the top 10 records last year. I think the title track Eat was a top 10 song. So Poppy was more than hooping last year. And then Flux came out in uh, September, I believe. And Flux is good. It's great even. I really, really like Flux. Have I gone back to it a ton since last year? No, outside of uh, Lesson of the Damage and uh, So Mean, there's not a ton from there that I would choose to hear over her stuff from Eat and uh, Am I a Girl and I Disagree and uh, Choke, but it was all still really, really enjoyable. So to go into Stagger, 
Okay, I'll say this too. You can never set expectations for Poppy. You never actually know what type of a sound she's going to bring to a new project. And with Stagger, there are four songs here and all four have these unique characteristics that are so like not inherently Poppy, but that also at the same time makes her exactly who she is and makes her Poppy. So FYB was the only single beforehand and the only real idea that we were given as to what Stagger's direction would be. FYB, that song has like some punk rock flair to it with these eerie moments that harken back to Poppy's more demented nature that was prevalent on, again, Choke and I Disagree and other past projects of hers. FYB is a, a really, really amazing song. And I think I did uh, say my piece about that song back when it was a single. Pocket has a very unique production to it that feels almost muted in comparison to what she normally does, but at the same time, I really do enjoy its dated style that is mixed in with the more creepy moments or some of the more creepy moments on the EP, such as where Poppy is simultaneously singing and screaming the line, I stood for you. The third track, Shapes, is one of the catchiest songs Poppy has ever done. Um, It, it has like a great anthemic vibe to it of sorts and the delivery of it is just world class and the whole song feels like an expansion of flux and maybe it fixes some of the gripes that people might have had with that record the closing song stagger title track is one of the biggest omissions from scene to overlook last week i hear the song over and over again and i'm just like how did i not see this song for what it was how did i not give it its flowers when i had the chance although thankfully i kind of do have the chance now stagger is unlike anything poppy has done before and i feel like that is saying something given the ground that this woman has covered with her music it is soothing and enchanting and it feels like the kind of song that i can just get lost in while watching a waterfall in a rainforest or something shit like that i don't know it just kind of has like that elemental feeling to it i guess the EP Stagger is exceptional. It has grown on me since last week in a big way. I give it a 9 out of 10. Guys, that shit is lingering on a fucking 10. This is an amazing project. I wouldn't have expected anything less by Poppy. Uh, just, you know, go out of your way to check out Stagger. Go out of your way to check out anything by Poppy. I cannot stress it enough. This woman is her. There is the brand new album by Boston Manor. It is called Datura. There are probably like three or four bands tops in the scene who got a bigger dog in them than Boston Manor. Boston Manor have been one of the most consistent and fulfilling and rewarding bands in the scene for the last number of years. And when I say fulfilling and rewarding, I mean like as a fan, just being able to experience Boston Manor is a treat in and of itself and it warrants any time and attention devoted to this weird-ass fucking music scene because Boston Manor can put forth something that just makes me feel so complete when it comes to my music intake. And I know I've gone on so many spiels before on this show about Boston Manor, but just for right now, let me reiterate that Welcome to the Neighborhood was my 2018 record of the year. It is one of the greatest records I've ever been able to enjoy in my whole life. 2020's Glue was vital to my, I guess like, uh, my comfort during the start of the pandemic. That's not the right way to phrase it, but I can't think of a better way to put it for right now. Glue was really, really important though. 
And then last year's EP, Desperate Times, Desperate Pleasures, I fucking adore. And it was like in my top 20, I believe it was. Just a stellar ass fucking EP. And there was no reason for me whatsoever to doubt what Boston Manor would be able to do coming into Datura. Um, the cool thing about Datura is that it is actually, or I don't know if it's confirmed or it just is evident and apparent. This is a two part record. So we're getting the first part right now. And I would imagine the second part is coming sometime winter, spring of 2023. And the reason why that's really cool to me is because given the quality of Datura and the likelihood of me revisiting this record time and time and time again for the foreseeable future, the fact that there's a second part is kind of insane to think about. The singles rollout for this record began with Foxglove, and for myself, Foxglove was such an apropos way to transition from Desperate Times into Datura. It kind of carries over some similar themes, like, there's not really a ton different between, like, Foxglove and, say, Carbon Mono, but Foxglove just has, like, that, um, that energy and that emphasis on hooks and melody and just overall perfection that Boston Manor has cemented in my brain as being so, like, inherent with their nature. The next single thereafter was Passenger, and I think Passenger has these really vibrant verses that give way for the giant chorus that has just been stuck in my brain ever since I first heard it, and there's kind of no way to be able to escape that, um, just like the, the way that Passenger flows and how effective that is. And then there was the single Inertia, which also serves as the closer for the record. Inertia is a beautiful and euphoric way to end Tura. Um, it, it just kind of has this, like, open sky space kind of a feel to it. And there's not really an appropriate way for me to describe Inertia's sound and feel like I'm doing it any justice or that I'm getting across the themes and the ideas in Inertia properly to you guys. It's kind of something that you kind of just have to like go listen to for yourself to really be able to experience what Inertia is offering. And something that I really like about Inertia's single streaming was that it had a single edit and that made it possible to put out the single while saving the conclusion for the full album experience and that was really necessary because the ending stretch of inertia sounds like it's meant to lead into the second part of Detura later on there are these like glitch noises and it creates this very unsettling atmosphere before all of a sudden it quiets down and all you can hear are birds chirping as if just like by flipping a switch armageddon turned into daylight looking at the non-single material uh the opening song Detura dusk it has this really epic movie kind of a feel to it, and it's not like anything I can really pinpoint from Boston Manor's discography, and so it exists in its own really, really sick world. Um, there are these sort of like tribal elements thrown in at the beginning with the drum work, and the way that that song carries its eerie nature with Henry's vocals matching the energy is immaculate. That song bleeds into Floodlights on the Square, which as of right now... That is my choice for the highlight of the album. It has the exact type of alternative rock flair that I think belongs to Boston Manor at this point. It is catchy and ruthless, and it's got a real fucking groove to its structure, and the overall package of Floodlights is just an accomplishment on the part of Boston Manor. Crocus is a little bit heavy on the electronic elements, and I think that is 
the perfect avenue for Boston Manor to explore whenever they feel like being a bit more experimental with their material. So Crocus, it kind of, like I said about Floodlights, Crocus exists in its own world, but it is a world that is still a, a really prevalent part of the package that is Datura. And it feels like something that Boston Manor have every right to be embarking on. And then there is Shelter from the Rain, which is probably meant to be an interlude of some sort, but it's the runtime of that song and the just execution of it, it's more than an interlude. I didn't feel comfortable just calling it an interlude or just, you know, coming out here and be like, yeah, um, you know, this leads into inertia. It does way more than that. This song breathes a, a new sense of life into Detura, life that it didn't need because it's not like a dead record or a flatlining record in any way. But hearing Shelter made the experience all that much better and just coming out of Datura and the times I've been able to spend with it for last week, I just feel like every time Boston Manor does something, I'm impressed. I'm impressed at how consistent they are. I'm impressed at how talented they are, even though I've known for fucking years about that fact. They just have that energy and that it factor to them that is so hard to describe you can't put it into words you can't draw it and show somebody it is just there you either have it or you don't and boston manor fucking have it let me go over the new boundaries record burying brightness Before getting into the review for this record, I do feel the need to just go into some detail on a certain matter related to boundaries and specifically the vocalist Matt McDougal. One thing that I will never do is lie to you guys. I, I like the idea of building this platform on honesty and transparency. I will never try to diminish something serious because I like a band or I like a member of a band. Um, so two years ago, uh, Boundaries had a record out called Your Receding Warmth. And the same week that it dropped, stuff started coming out about Matt and a past relationship of his. And in a response made by the band a few weeks later, they noted that they were in contact with Matt's ex and they all discussed what steps to take, what should be done. And they all seemingly came to the conclusion that Matt should be put on hiatus and go get help. So that was what happened at that time. In an ideal scenario, they all followed up properly and the way that they said publicly that they would. I would hope Matt did go and get help. I would hope the time he spent away from boundaries did serve him good. And the only reason why I feel okay talking about this record is because of the approach that boundaries took and how they actually took the time to discuss matters with Matt's ex. And, you know, there have been cases before where bands will just stand by their members and just, you know, shrug off whoever was victimized. This felt different to me. And I acknowledge that the only information I have is what has been made public. So just going off of that, I feel like I can talk about this new album by Boundaries. 
and I know that Matt is still in the band and he is on this record, if the people around him are seemingly fine with his presence, if his ex is okay with him still being in boundaries after discussing matters with the band, I don't know what my place is in deciding if Matt and boundaries are canceled and whatnot. So to get into the album, the first single, Heaven's Broken Heart, that was putting the hardcore nature of Boundaries on display for those who were already familiar with the material and then those who are maybe experiencing Boundaries for the first time. The song is heavy and ferocious and has the battering style to it that makes hardcore so enjoyable for myself. But truthfully, it was on the second single, Realize and Rebuild, where my excitement for the album really reached a high and ultimately is sustained as the peak of my attachment to Bearing Brightness. It, it sounds so rooted in post-hardcore from the 2000s, which is probably my favorite genre in history. And I, I think the song is such a roller coaster in the sense that like, you can't really predict what is going to come next. Each section just kind of topples the other in a way, and then it's capped off perfectly with the inclusion of clean singing. Um, the title track for Bearing Brightness was the final single, and it did kind of show me that even if Realize and Rebuild was where my attention was at, it would be this hardcore style that dominates the album and becomes the like predominant sound on it, which is fine. I really did expect that. And I, I do think that Boundaries navigate those waters really well, to be fair. The album opens with It Begins to Speak, which really allows itself time and space in the intro to build up to its breakdown later on in the song, and I admire that approach for this kind of a record rather than just getting straight into like the blistering hardcore stuff. Um, a lot of the themes and ideas instrumentally on the record ran the risk of sounding recycled from one another, but I do think that there are enough characteristics to songs like This Is What It's Like and My Body Is A Cage that make them stand out properly. Um, what I had mentioned earlier about Realize and Rebuild and the post-hardcore throwback style to that song, I can hear glimpses of that framework on songs like Your Own Murder, No One Will Mourn You Here, and Resent and Regret. And I say glimpses because it's not really as refined and complete in the same way that it sounds on Realize and Rebuild, but it's still there in enough ways for me to be able to appreciate those tracks and the kind of, like, nostalgic sounds that it embodies in my opinion um i do want to point out the closing song the tower and how it is 10 minutes long and i, I i'm just gonna keep saying this about long songs until this podcast ceases one day or i seize whichever happens first it's not my thing it's really really not i went on the spiel about lorna shore in the prior episode it just doesn't really do a lot for me more often than not um, if long songs like this are going to exist, there needs to be a point to them, and I don't know if the tower had a point to make about why it needed to be a 10-minute closer. Um, the portion of it where it's just sounds is honestly kind of cool, but it didn't enhance the experience of Burying Brightness in any way, and if anything, it kind of hurt it. I think coming out of Burying Brightness, I have a better idea of the style and the sounds that boundaries bring forth in the scene. I was able to... Um, like see a highlight from them and what they really sound like when they're operating at a high level. 
I don't know how this record is going to age. I don't remember the score I gave it. It was like an eight or eight and a half. And I'm fine standing by that right now. I do not know if this record will necessarily grow on me. It might kind of falter in a way. I, I, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see where this record stands for me in a couple months because right now I, I like the sound. And on a week where there wasn't so much releasing, maybe I would have been more like warm to this, no pun intended to their last record, but I think Bearing Brightness is a good album, and if you're into this style of hardcore, you can definitely find a lot of positives with the album. I, like I said, we just kind of have to see, or I just kind of have to see, where boundaries go from here. And for the final record of the week, it is the brand new release by Sleepcore Sirens called Complete Collapse. I said it about We Came as Romans, I said it about Poppy, and now I am saying it again about Sleeping with Sirens. There will be times on this show where I get to talk about a band who has impacted me in ways that go beyond just listening to the music. Sleeping with Sirens have their name value for a reason. They genuinely, for both, you know, the good and the bad... They're one of the most important bands I've ever heard in my life. They were there for me when I was a confused, lost teenager in high school, and they're there for me now as a confused and lost adult trying to navigate this crazy fucking world. And Sleepy Simon's providing the soundtrack for all of those years. It's meaningful. It really has been able to help me. This band has been there for me. Like, no cliche, no bullshit like that. Sleeping with Sirens fucking got me. The only difference between them and, say, Bring Me the Horizon is, while Bring Me the Horizon, you know, my journey with them has just constantly been upward, Sirens, it, it varies. There have been times where they had a case for being my favorite band in the world, and then times where I couldn't stand them. So, they had a pretty consistent run early on, I would say. To go from... With ears to see, into let's cheers to this, into feel, and then into madness. That is a hooper stretch, like genuinely. I love all those records. I think madness at the time, or rather before last week, stood as the pinnacle of Sleeping Siren's work. I fucking love madness, and I love everything they did prior. I didn't even mention if you were a movie. That shit is fucking amazing, dog. Everything looked good for sirens and they had the reception and the fan base and the results to show just how much their hard work had paid off they were superstars they were on top of everything and then gossip happened and i can sit here and relay to you guys what i believe is the honest truth gossip is multiple two packs of ass there is nothing redeeming about that record. What the fuck were they cooking? For real, for real. What were they cooking? Fucking shit. That record just... I, I like to imagine it doesn't exist. That's like really harsh to put it, but... It did nothing but tarnish Siren's discography. Like, no matter what happens, no matter what they put out from here on out, gossip exists. It's a part of them, and I fucking hate that. 
they tried correcting the course with This Is How It Feels To Be Lost back in 2019. And I do have like a sentimental attachment to that record because it was the record cycle that I got to see them live on. I saw them with Bring Me The Horizon and Poppy. And Sirens kind of put on a goaded show. Despite the fact that they played some of the, you know, the downer songs from that record, like Bloodlines. Bloodline fucking sucks. But I got to enjoy areas of that album that I really needed to coming off of Gossip. And they kind of went a little bit quiet after that. And understandably so, pandemic, you know, a lot of bands took their time. I will never forget the week that they released Bloody Knuckles, which kind of ended up being the first single for Complete Collapse. It was the week of June 1st, 2021. And I can vividly remember at the time. Um, so this would have been in that period where my cat Mikasa had passed away and I was really, really, really struggling with everything that came from that and the experience of grief and everything like that. I'm sorry for bringing that up, guys, but you know, it. I, I had to, to really explain why Bloody Knuckles is so important to me. And I remember being at my mom's apartment and I heard Bloody Knuckles and it just like instantly clicked in my head. Holy shit, sleeping with sirens. They might be back. And that was a cool thing to experience, but at the same time, it was a little bit scary because I had Bloody Knuckles and I'm like, okay, this can go one of two ways now. Either Sleeping with Sirens have found what they were missing and they're going to reignite that burning passion that I and so many others in the scene have for them. Or they're showing false hope and they're going to flatline again and go into a direction that I want nothing to do with. That was a possibility, but it's not the reality. Because the reality is, it's SWS gang or don't fucking bang, bro. What the fuck did you think I was going to say? Complete Collapse is the best Sleeping Science record album of all time. See, that's how good it is. I just called it a record album. What the fuck is a record album? I almost feel bad for having ever doubted Sleeping with Sirens. I almost feel like any disdain I might have had for them was unwarranted. It's totally not because gossip is still trash no matter how good Complete Collapse is. But Complete Collapse does make up for any faults in the system of Sleeping of Sirens, any cracks in their foundation that they have showed since their inception. And the thing is that in the singles rollout, this was very, very, very obvious and evident. Like, this trajectory, this upward trend for Sleeping of Sirens, anybody could have seen from the singles rollout what was going to happen. Because you got fucking Crosses featuring Spencer Chamberlain, and that song being... In my opinion, the weakest on Complete Collapse is insane given how good it is. That song is tremendous and Spencer's feature spot on it is just, you know, second to none. And that is my, you know, weak point of the record. That's not a fucking weak point. That is a ceiling for some bands. When Control-Alt-Delete was a single, I could not put that song down for anything. I just kept listening to it over and over again. Having the record in hand now, I still go back to control alt delete over and over again. The like really aggressive and post-hardcore nature of that song. It's like this is exactly what I've been wanting from Sleeping Siren. So much of this record represents what I've been wanting from them, but control alt delete, it just, you know, fulfills that necessity for something like this out of a band like Sleeping Sirens. 
the title track, Complete Collapse, is so infectious, and it has, like, such an earworm chorus. A lot of the choruses on this record are insane. For right now, I'm singling out Complete Collapse because it just kind of has that that energy and that vibrancy and that, like, you know, attitude of Sleeping Sirens that had been missing for so long. I mentioned the uh, the Spencer feature earlier on Crosses. There is a three-stretch uh, section here with features. Let You Down featuring Charlotte Sands, Be Happy featuring Roland Serpent, and then Us featuring Dorothy. I said this about the Let You Down when that dropped as a single. Kellen and Charlotte put up fucking LeBron and Kyrie 2016 numbers. That is a power fucking duo. And Charlotte's verse is so in alignment with what makes her, um, you know, such a, such a talent and how seamlessly she took control of that second chorus on Let You Down. Royal and the Serpent, between Be Happy and then Pity Party featuring Stan Atlantic, Royal might have a case of being the feature guest spot of the year. She is sensational on Be Happy. When she comes in on the second verse, like, my brain just, like, kind of has, like, this weird fucking, like, um, this euphoric experience that is so hard to put into words, and every time I hear Be Happy, it just resonates with me. Could some of the lyrics be better? Sure, I guess so, but my experience with Be Happy couldn't have been better, and it couldn't be better any time I get to hear this song. Yo, voice crack, that was crazy. Um, Us is a differently paced song. It has, like, more of, like, a, I guess, like, a standard rock kind of a vibe going for it, and Dorothy really does add to that, but I think she elevates this song in a lot of ways. Tyrants is one of the best opening songs of the year. It is like so chaotic and destructible while still being this really cohesive piece that sets the tone for complete collapse perfectly, even if not everything on the album sounds like it. I was talking about choruses earlier. Bro, the chorus on Family Tree, that shit will not leave me the fuck alone. And I don't want it to because Family Tree is an amazing song. It is like a high point of the album. Um... I didn't put it in Scenic Overlook? Deadass? Yo, what am I cooking? For real, for real. Family Tree is really, really good. Um, there's a song later on, Mr. Nice Guy. That song is very strange for Sleeping With Sirens. It kind of has like a, like a, to me, like a musical kind of a feel to it. Again, very weird and out there for the band, but I fuck with it. I really, really like Mr. Nice Guy. I think it's a great song. Apathetic, which is the penultimate song, has like this controlled chaos kind of a style going for it. At least that's what I was able to perceive from its direction. And what I mean by all that is it's heavy, but it's contained. It feels like none of the moving parts stray away from what this song is meant to be and what it's meant to represent. It is a complete package. And then you get into the closing song, Grave. Sleeping with Sirens have more than mastered the art of the acoustic song. And even if Grave isn't entirely acoustic per se, it has like um, some characteristics that make it a little bit more upbeat and vibrant than just your ordinary acoustic song. It is still a really beautiful and fun and necessary and appropriate way to end Complete Collapse. And the fact that this record is bookended by Tyrants and Grave, which kind of exists on the opposite ends of the Sleeping Siren spectrum, 
Like, that in and of itself is an accomplishment. This entire record is an accomplishment. I cannot express to you guys enough just how passionately I feel about Complete Collapse because to me, I am getting back one of the most important bands I've ever heard in my life and that means something to me. That touches my heart. That pulls at my heartstrings. I needed Sleeping Sirens to put out this exact kind of a record and they did so because they're premier fucking hoopers and they will be for the rest of their careers. And that's it. That was every album and ep from last week for me to review um yeah i'm spent there was so much to get through last week and I, I would imagine this second part is not going up until later on in the week and i do apologize for that but just understand like this does take a lot like not just you know this episode but everything related to ulterior because I'm the only one here. I review the music, I record the episodes, I edit the episodes, I make the graphic designs, it's all me, and I, I really wouldn't want to be any other way. Yeah, it's tiring and draining at times, but also, this is what I love. This is my hobby, this is my passion, and for as long as I possibly can, I will continue to give you guys all the content that I have. Thank you for listening, I hope you enjoyed both of these episodes, and... As always, for better or worse, let's make a scene.